Welcome to the Big Sky Astrology Podcast with April Elliott Kent and me, producer and co-host Jen Brown. Hey friends, Jen here. Today is July 13th, 2020. And of course, here with me each and every week is someone who really measures up, my pal, astrologer April Elliott Kent. Hi, April. You said we weren't going to celebrate National <laughs> Tape Measure Day, and yet there it is. <laughs> you wanted to leave it in, though. You wanted to leave it in the show notes. <laughs> what is so priceless about this is that July 14th is both National Tape Measure Day and National Nude Day. So many ways to celebrate. Well, I can't really compare with last week, though, where we had National Cow Day and Kitten Day and Pecan Pie Day. No, we can't compare to last week when everything was coming up April and Jen. It is pretty good, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Tape Measure Day. <laughs> well, how are you doing, Jen? I'm doing pretty well. Good. The eclipses are over for us in real time. Mm-hmm. In real time, it's July 6th. Yes. So we are just recovering from the last of the three eclipses, Mm -hmm. and we are still in Mercury retrograde land. So bear that in mind, kind friends, as you listen to this episode. Please bear that in mind. Yeah, we're, we're a little bit frazzled around the edges. But by the time you are listening to this on July 13th, Mercury will have just turned direct, so we'll be... On the road to recovery. We'll be on our way. Mm Mercury-wise. Well, Jen, we realized that we had not read any of our recent reviews on the podcast. Correct. And we would like to give a shout out to these lovely listeners who took the time to let us know what they think of the podcast. Go for it, April. You start out. Well, the first one we wanted to share was a comment on the website, actually, Big Sky Astrology. And it's from Isabella Peregrino, who said, Dear April and Jen, Thank you so much for your podcast. It really makes me giggle. And I even find myself singing Moonwatch with the two of you. She says, my husband thinks I'm crazy. We love that so much. That's hilarious. You mentioned Pluto transits and Uranus transits in someone's chart. But I was wondering if, if it's not too much to ask, what about Neptune transits? Do you have an episode or any resources that you can recommend? Thank you so much, ladies, for your beautiful work. Thank you, Isabella, for the kind comment, first of all. I know. That is so wonderful. It was one of our favorites. That's really nice. Yeah. Really made us glow. We love it because I was telling Jen I do the exact same thing with one of my favorite podcasts where I'm listening to it in my earbuds and puttering around the kitchen and giggling and breaking into little bits of song and my husband's like what that's so funny so we love we love that we're doing that for you so thank you that's great well there are a couple of resources that i thought we might recommend to you about neptune transits we did have a couple of episodes that dealt with neptune which ones were those jen Episode 10, Neptune and the Zen of Groundhog Day. And I did like that episode a lot because we talked, of course, about the movie Groundhog Day as well. (laughs) Which is one of our favorites. Mm -hmm. And more recently, episode 29, we were awash in Neptune. And so we talked about Neptune a bit in that episode as well. Neptune washing over all and the U.S. Pluto return. Those are certainly episodes of our podcast that if you missed them, you might want to go back and listen to. And I have a book on transits cunningly titled Astrological Transits. There is a whole big section in there on Neptune if you haven't discovered the book. 
I'm pretty proud of that book, actually. I picked it up recently, and I hadn't looked at it in ages and was flipping through, and I went, that's a pretty dang good book. I just looked at that book this weekend. You did? I did, yeah. Were you uh-huh. looking for a particular transit that you were thinking about? I have a few major transits going on in my life, mm. as you well know, April. Indeed. And I was looking them up in your book. There you go. So that is one resource. There are two books on Neptune that you might want to check out as well. One is Stephen Forrest's book of Neptune. We're big fans of Stephen Forrest around here. Yes, we are. A lovely lyrical writer. And also Liz Green has a book on Neptune, which I confess I haven't read, but I've heard people recommend it warmly. So that's one. She's an excellent astrologer. You can check in on that. Okay. Any other ones that you were thinking of, Jen? No, I think that's all I can come up with. Okay. But thank you, Isabella. And you'll get a chance here before long to sing along with us. (laughs) Moonwatch is coming up later this episode. All right. Well, the next review is from Be Like the Sky, and they wrote on Apple Podcasts, My stars, this is a richly intimate podcast that warms the soul and livens the spirits. It is like a big hug from a dear friend. The content possesses a relatable depth, making it welcoming and appealing to both beginner and seasoned astrologers from all walks of life. Isn't that lovely? That is so nice. I know. Thank you, Be Like the Sky. It's everything we would like to think that we are when we're not convulsed in giggles about Bob Ross <laughs> or something. It's really a sweet comment. Thank you so much. It is. Thank you. We, apol- uh, we apologize. We, we apologize appreciate that. <laughs> we apologize for whatever. <laughs> whatever we need apologizing yeah, for. Yeah, just consider it. A Blanket just, apology. You know, stow it away for when you need it. <laughs> there it is. Okay, and finally, we heard from Carrie B., and I know who that is, who says on the Big Sky Astrology website, very much enjoyed the podcast interpretations and the way you weave in astrology lessons and reference past podcasts. Thank you. That's really nice. That's wonderful. Yeah. Thanks, Carrie. And thank you. I really want to thank you, Jen, for being very good about referencing past episodes. Of course. Because we do have sort of a rich archive and... As we go on, we're now on episode 34. Yes. Of course, you spend a lot of time with each episode every week because you're (laughs) editing. So I'm sure it just comes off the top of your head and you remember a lot of the things that we've discussed a lot more acutely than I do. So thank you for that. And it sounds like Carrie at least is really appreciating that. Yeah. Thank you, Carrie. And just a shout out to let people know that, of course, you can leave comments, as we've been saying, on the BigSkyAstrology.com site, and then we can have a little bit more of a conversation there, or just leave them on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. We really appreciate comments. It lets us know that you're out there listening, and we really appreciate that. We do. We kind of know hypothetically that you're out there because we see our download numbers. Yeah. We know that, thank you, they've been going up each week. Quite a bit, yes. Yeah, but it is this very strange one-way relationship that we have where you're hearing us in your little ear holes and... A lot of the time, we don't know who is listening, so it's wonderful to hear little messages like this. True that. From you. So, as for this week's astrology, it's kind of a light week. It is kind of a light week, so we have something special in store for you in a little bit. But we thought we would start out with what, April? Well, we thought we would talk about the sun this week, which is doing a couple of interesting things. It'll be making opposition aspects to both Jupiter and Pluto. And somewhere between the two, it will exactly oppose the point that Saturn and Pluto came together on back on January 12th. And that was at 22 degrees and 46 minutes of Capricorn. Right. So this just kind of says we're halfway through 
the first year, you know, of this journey. And I think these big outer planet aspects, when they come together by a conjunction or a square, in the case a few years ago, we had Uranus square Pluto for a good long time. These are good moments. In the case of the sun, we had the sun making a conjunction to Saturn and Pluto. And now we're just 180 degrees away from that. And we get to step back and give ourselves a report card. Now that we have a little more perspective, a little more context. I like that, a report card. Mm -hmm. We can see a little more clearly, particularly for our Leo friends or people with Leo very prominent in their chart, whether it's because it's their rising sign or their moon sign or whatever else it might be. And April, you say that because the sun rules Leo? Yes. It's going to be a pretty important week. I think a little bit of a critical week. Oh, I know a Leo. Do you? Yeah, I do. <laughs> oh, her name is April also. How funny. Kind of a coincidence. My Leo pal. Mm-hmm. But for everyone, you know, it's the same sun that all of us are seeing up in the sky each day. And as it makes an opposition to that conjunction point, you know, we get a chance to think, how are we doing with renegotiating the structures of our lives and also being a little kinder. Okay. Kind is a word that's really been coming up for me. While the lunar nodes were going through Capricorn and Cancer, while we had that long two-year series of eclipses in Capricorn and Cancer, because the feeling of the south node and the eclipses in Capricorn close to that Saturn and Pluto in that very tough sign of Capricorn has really reflected the ways in which we tend to be very tough with each other. And I think it's because we're very tough on ourselves. And especially here in the United States, and it's the only place I've lived, so it's the only experience I can really speak to, mm -hmm. we are very tough on ourselves. We drive ourselves. Work is very important to us. Our careers and our ambitions and our worldly success are things that really consume us here in the United States. Yeah. And that is something that because we drive ourselves so relentlessly towards our goals, that then we can be a little bit tough on other people if we see them falter or we see them needing a little more help or a little more caring. So it's been a very interesting couple of years and in particular an interesting six months where we've seen a lot of developments in the world that have led us to have to evaluate how we're dealing with each other, how we're caring for each other, how we're treating each other. And this has been at the core of our discussions around the pandemic and the aftermath, how people want to deal with that, that some people don't want to wear masks, other people are very upset about that. And it all sort of circles around this idea of, well, isn't this a way we can take better care of each other? And there's debate about that. But that is the nature of the debate. Is it about what is good for me or is it what's good for us? Yeah. Also, of course, the social justice uprisings that we've been seeing in Minneapolis, of course, and many other places are, again, all about are we going to be hard or are we going to be caring? It is the crux of every disagreement, of every movement, of everything that we've been exploring together. I think, over the last six months. And this is a critical point in that. It is, as I say, it's the halfway point in the year. And we say, with the sun shining strongly from across the chart at that conjunction point back in January, and also opposed Jupiter and Pluto, which are still sort of at the end of Capricorn and carrying a lot of that energy, we're reevaluating. Yeah. 
it's a really good reminder to be kind at this time of reevaluation. Yes. So the conjunction of the sun with Jupiter began at the very end of last year on December 27th, just after that eclipse that we had that was on Christmas Day. Right. That was the beginning of a Sun-Jupiter cycle. And then we had a square between them in April, and that was a critical moment. And now we're at the opposition. The Sun and Jupiter coming together brings sort of two kings together. (laughs) You know, we think of the Sun or Leo as being a king. We call the lion the king of beasts. I've always thought of Leo more as a prince and of Jupiter as the king. So the sun opposing Jupiter, well, just picture it as the prince facing off with the king. And the thing of what kind of ruler has Jupiter been in Capricorn? And the sun standing opposed to that and looking at it and observing it. Nice. The Sabian symbol for the sun at this opposition is the meeting of a literary society. And that has to it the idea of First of all, fellowship, a word I know you like. (laughs) Thank you for mentioning fellowship. Yes, coming together in a society. It's literary, so it's the world of ideas. Mm -hmm. And it's also, there is that note of criticism, because when you get together in a literary society, you're examining the ideas, you're maybe critiquing the work. Right. So that's a little bit of, again, what we're doing at this point. And I think of intellectuals a little bit. Mm Mm-hmm. The philosophies that we're being guided by really are kind of the idea of Jupiter. Exactly. The sun will square Jupiter one last time in October before Jupiter ends its time in Capricorn. Okay. We're just kind of like, if you imagine this as being the full moon in this cycle, it's where all is revealed and we're really kind of looking, the sun is shining brightly at Jupiter and saying, well, you may be the king, but... Are you wearing any clothes, (laughs) basically? (laughs) Where are my pants? Uh, So (laughs) then on July 15th, we have the sun in opposition to Pluto. So it's a little bit of a one-two punch. The sun came together with Pluto in January on January 13th, made a square on April 14th, and it makes this opposition on July 15th. Okay. So a similar message, but Pluto is the god of the underworld. He's the god of transformation is a nice word for it. Yeah. And I don't know if I've said this on the podcast, but Mm. I'm reminded of it often that everybody wants to transform, but nobody wants to do the work of transforming. Yeah. We want to be transformed, but we don't want to transform. And of course, you can't take the easy road. There's no way to do that. Yeah. And especially when it comes to Pluto. Right. So this is the sun standing back again and saying, well, how are we doing on the road to transformation? Because the road to transformation, first of all, means we let some things go. The things that are not sound, the things that are not serving us, the things that are not true to who we want to be. So how are we doing with letting go of some of that stuff so that the road ahead is clear And we've got a clean slate to start to build something else moving into next year. So it's really kind of a big week with these stories coming back from the end of 2019 and the beginning of 2020 when the big planets met up. (laughs) Yeah, the sun is really, if you think of the transcending sun as describing our joy. Hmm. I like that. Yeah, I do too. As it moves through the zodiac, it moves through the seasons of the years, it says, where can I be joyful? Where can my life be brighter? lighter, more engaged, more artistic, more creative? Where can I find love? Where can my heart be opened? 
In order to feel those things, in order to feel our solar selves, we have to confront Jupiter and Pluto, who are still in a difficult place. And we have to decide if in the face of all that, we can still express the sun. Can we still be joyful? Can we still be hopeful and bright and creative and happy? And it's not a small question, especially as Jupiter comes into contact with Pluto ever, because the sun is, I am the light that shines brightly. And Pluto says, well, not around here, you don't. <laughs> You're not so much. Hmm. And let's go back underground, back in the cave. Yeah. So we have to decide at that moment. I think this is kind of a pivotal week for it where we say, the world is throwing a lot at us right now. And are we going to persist in being joyful no matter what? easy for me to say I'm in a a relatively privileged position in everything that's been happening in the last six months. But even so, it's impacting all of us to some degree. And we all have to say, is there still something to hope for? Are there still ways to find joy in our lives? So that's how I see this week. That's lovely. And I just want to say a little more about Jupiter, because we all tend to think of Jupiter as being this unmitigatedly friendly, happy, joyful symbol. And it's not that it doesn't have those dimensions, but there is in Jupiter, there can be a kind of tyranny as well, if you look at it in myth. Oh. This was not always a kind ruler. You know, this is somebody who can be very selfish and always wants more for themselves with Jupiter. Expand, expand. Right. More, more, more. It's very much kind of the negative. It's the shadow side of capitalism, for instance, which is... How much is enough? And will material things fill our inner needs? And the sun says, no, it's not about that at all. And it doesn't even matter what sign the sun is in. It's never about that. It's about expressing the self and being joyful. That's really nice. I like that. Thank you. On a side note, NASA released a video on the sun. It's really cool. I'm going to put a link to it in the show notes. For the last decade, there's a video that shows the solar corona, the outermost atmosphere of the sun, which is usually not visible to the human eye. There's a time-lapse video, and it's really neat. The sun is spinning around and around, and it's 10 years going by really fast, and it's glowing and bright and beautiful. Nice. This Leo approves. It is Leo approved. Excellent. I approve this NASA video. I'm so glad. (laughs) Well, now we go from the sun to the moon, (gasps) because it's time for Moonwatch. Moonwatch. (laughs) Play it. We hear Isabella in the background there singing along with us. Absolutely. Well, this is kind of one of those weird weeks, Jen, where we don't have a new moon and we don't have any quarter moons and we don't have a full moon. Okay. What on earth are we going to talk about then, April? Well, we are going to talk about our friend the balsamic moon. We will explain that rather odd and humorous sounding name for that lunar face, but we're going to take it as an opportunity to really talk about the eight lunar faces because we really only cover four of them ordinarily on the podcast. But this is kind of a slow news week, and we thought, wow, this would be fun to kind of delve into this a little bit. Yeah, let's. So there are eight lunar phases, and each of them is initiated by what we call a hard aspect, a difficult conflict aspect between the sun and the moon. Right. The ones that we normally talk about are the ones that involve a major hard aspect between the sun and the moon, and that would be the conjunction where they're zero degrees apart, 
the square where they're 90 degrees apart, and the opposition where they're 180 degrees apart. But those are not the only lunar phases. So there are eight lunar phases total, and the other four are initiated by minor hard aspects between the sun and the moon. So let's take one second here, and if folks okay. can picture a pie. Oh, please do. <laughs> We're all about pie here. Banana cream. Let's picture a banana cream pie. Coconut cream. Sure, coconut cream. <laughs> yeah. I'm with you. Any kind of cream, chocolate cream. Unless you have an allergy, then you can imagine. Yeah, unless you're lactose <laughs> <laughs> And then we'll just let you do whatever you want there. Okay, so you're talking about pie. You have my attention. And normally, we talk about it, if you picture that pie equally divided into four pieces. But you're saying we should now take another slice through each middle. We should. Okay. And make it an eight-slice pie. Mm. So we begin, of course, at the new moon each month when the sun and the moon come together in what we call a conjunction. They're right together, the same degree of the same sign. We just had one of those back on June 20th or 21st in Cancer. Exactly. Then, a couple of days later... When the moon has moved 45 degrees ahead of the sun, which we call a semi-square aspect, it forms a crescent moon. And that's, you know, you go out on the evening of a new moon and there is no moon at all. Right. And it's really dark for a couple of days. And then when you go out the night of the crescent moon, it's like suddenly there's this beautiful thing in the sky, the crescent moon that just totally arrests your attention. That's the energy of the crescent moon. It marks the first aspect in the lunar cycle that kind of wakes us up and gets our attention. And it's by far the most photographed of the lunar phases. It's so beautiful. Absolutely. I was just thinking that. Yeah, yeah. it's really lovely. Or you see artwork and things, and a lot mm -hmm. of time you'll see the crescent moon. It's always got the crescent moon. And that tells you something about what it awakens in us. We go, oh, there's something new. And we get preoccupied with it. There is a kind of a almost obsessive quality to the crescent moon time. Then the first quarter moon comes a couple of days later. The moon is 90 degrees ahead of the sun. That's what we call a square. That's a biggie. We always talk about the first quarter moon. And that is the time to start to act on the thing that sort of got you interested at the new moon and fascinated at the crescent moon. Mm -hmm. And then we have the gibbous moon once the moon has moved a little bit further still, that's when the moon is forming its first sesky square, which is a 135 degree aspect to the sun. It's hard to see. It's hard to train your eyes to see that in a chart. Okay. It really takes a lot of practice. And the gibbous moon is one of those phases that if you look up in the sky, it's like the moon almost looks full, but it's not quite. There's something off about it. At the gibbous moon time, we're like, we're trying to find the flaw. We're trying to fix it. We're trying to adjust whatever we can. Yeah. The full moon then comes when the moon is 180 degrees away from the sun. And of course, we talk about that every time it happens. That's an opposition aspect. Between the new and the full moons, we're in the waxing cycle of the moon. The way you tell them apart is during the waxing part of the cycle, the moon is growing brighter every month. If you wax something, it gets brighter. Right. Then we're in the waning part of the cycle from the full moon on. The disseminating or waning gibbous is just the gibbous on the other side. And that is when the moon is forming a 135 degree sesky square to the sun. It is this kind of a storytelling moon. It's when we have evaluated everything and now we want to talk it out. We want to get the word out to everybody. 
and to spread things out. A sesky square, though, is a really hard aspect. Okay. I think my teacher used to say of this, because a minor aspect, we call it. Mm-hmm. And she used to say, well, it's a cross between a square and a semi-square. Does that sound minor to you? <laughs> and I was like, no, it's super, super irritating yeah, and annoying. So that's where that phase starts. It's like, I'm just not getting where I wanted to get. So getting out, talking to other people, trying to get information about how to do it better. Okay. Then we have the last quarter moon, which is the final square where the moon is 90 degrees behind the sun. And that is the final push of the lunar cycle. And then we get to this week's starring lunar phase, the waning crescent, which we also call the balsamic moon. Now, you're smiling because you're thinking of balsamic vinegar, which is so delicious. (laughs) (laughs) But this has nothing to do with balsamic moon. Mm -hmm. Where the term balsamic seems to have come from is balsam was a curative that was used to improve health. Okay. So the balsamic moon is the time to heal, to retreat and to heal. So it's the healing phase of the moon. Okay. Think of it as the 12th house. Hmm. Think of it as Pisces. Think of it as the part in any cycle where naturally we retreat, we rest, we get our bearings because we're getting ready for another new moon. Okay. I've heard of a moon called dead moon. Is this dead moon? Yeah. I don't like that phrase. No, I don't like it either. I've heard people say it and I've, I mean, I know it's at the end of the lunar cycle, but I didn't know if it was a certain phase or not. Yeah. And on the contrary, this is anything but a dead moon. This is rich and one of my favorite lunar phases, actually. Uh So this begins when the moon is 45 degrees behind the sun. We have what we call the balsamic moon. And the way you'll recognize it is if you go outside, the moon at the balsamic phase rises in the morning. So it's really kind of only visible just before sunrise because it's close to the sun, but it's not so close that you can't see it at all. Okay. At a new moon, you can't see it because it's too close to the sun. And as the sun's rising, you can't see the moon. But this way, if you get up really early and... What I love about this and the image that I've always loved for this is that thing of coming home after a long night with your friends back in your 20s and listening to music or whatever, and you go to a diner and you have coffee and pancakes, and then you're just kind of, you're still in last night's clothes and you're just kind of ambling along the street together (laughs) in camaraderie and fellowship, and then you can barely see the moon, Mm -hmm. this little crescent moon, Mm -hmm. just as the sun is coming up. And isn't that magical? I could see your face just change as I'm describing that. Well, I'm picturing it. Yeah, because it's really, really magical. It's a warm image. Yeah. And it's a magical phase of the moon. Mm -hmm. It says the boundaries between night and day are a lot more tenuous. They're a lot more gauzy and gray. It's not this thing of I've fallen asleep, I wake up eight hours later, and it's a new day. That is a before and an after. Well, it's the October of moon phases. Well, not exactly. So it's more the late winter into spring. Okay. Because it's going from Aquarius into Pisces. Mm -hmm. So the Aquarius part is, oh, the normal rules of night and day don't necessarily apply. Because I haven't had that demarcation between them. Okay. And then Pisces, oh, well, I have to go home and go to sleep when everybody else is getting up and my day is going to be very confusing. It is letting go. It is healing. Again, it's of the nature of Aquarius and Pisces. And it's about transcending boundaries and expectations and letting go of rules, among other things. Yeah. 
And that can be really healing, as you say, just mm-hmm. to let things go that no longer serve. Right. So each phase is about three and a half days of the lunar month. And we have our next new moon that is coming up on July 20th. So for a few days leading up to that, I think it starts on July 16th, we actually get into the official balsamic moon phase at 5.31 p.m. Pacific time. So set that aside, you know, if you have the luxury of doing so, and this does happen on a weekend, coming into a weekend, it is a time when sometimes we can set a little time aside for a little mini retreat or something is really great to do on the balsamic moon. Were you born during a balsamic moon? No, I was born in a last quarter. Last quarter, okay. You were a new moon. Yeah. Right. There are certain aspects only that can form between the sun and moon in each phase. And that's how you start to recognize them in a chart. For instance, at the new moon, you can have a conjunction between the sun and the moon, or you can have a semi-sextile, a 30-degree aspect. So if you're looking at a chart of somebody and they have the moon ahead of the sun, and it's either a conjunction or semi-sextile, and it's not yet a semi-square, you know you're dealing with a new moon person. Sure. That makes sense. Yeah. There's a lot to be said about lunar phases. I might actually do a webinar on them because I think they're really interesting. That would be great. So that was what we wanted to look at for this week. Jen, that's all we have on the show sheet. Were you thinking of anything else? I wasn't, but it was really exciting to talk about a new moon phase this week. It was, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Next week, we will start, as always, with our friend, the new moon. So we will be back on track with that. But yeah, I love this. And again, balsamic is about getting off the usual schedule (laughs) with things and just doing things a little bit differently. So we're honoring the spirit of the balsamic moon this week. Nice. All right. Well, that is everything on the show sheet. Have we done it? (laughs) (laughs) We have done it. (laughs) Episode 34. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Well, thank you for listening to the Big Sky Astrology podcast, possibly singing along with us or tooting your horn or whatever you like to do. (laughs) If you like what you're hearing, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast and tell a friend about it. You can read show notes and full transcripts and leave your comments about each episode at our website, BigSkyAstropod.com. We bring the podcast to you each and every week absolutely free. One way that we're able to continue to do that is by generous donations from listeners like you. So if you're feeling so moved and you find value in the show, please go to BigSkyAstropod.com and throw in five bucks for us. Or maybe you're able to kick in $34, one for each show that we've produced. Oh, aren't you clever? That would really help us out a lot. I was having a real PBS moment there for a moment. as you were Generous <laughs> donations from our listeners like you. Sadly, we have no tote bag for you, but yeah. we can look into that. We might consider that. Well, anyway, join us again bright and early next Monday. And until then, keep your feet on the ground. And your eyes on the stars. Thank you for listening. To learn more about April Elliott Kent, please check out her website, BigSkyAstrology.com, where you can sign up for her newsletter, read her thought-provoking weekly essays, purchase her books, sign up for a personal astrology reading, and more. That's all for today. If you like what you're listening to, please take a moment to rate and review this podcast and hit subscribe to stay current with new episodes. You can follow Big Sky Astrology on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Big Sky Astrology. Thanks again for joining us, and we'll catch you next time.